Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365, hanging out with you for the next couple hours. Uh, JM, are you ready to talk some football here on Bird 365? I'm always ready. You know me, Jody Mack. Interested uh, to see, you know, Doug Peterson popping up like the undertaker in the in the hiring cycle. I think that's pretty interesting. And then we got Jim Harbaugh as well. So finally, uh, as we get towards the end of this hiring coaching carousel, we finally get some interesting developments because I think this has been underwhelming. That's just my personal opinion, this entire process. Same people, same jobs. They all run in. They all run out. Everybody's scared to make a move. We finally get some splashier rumors, at least. I will say that. Uh, generally speaking, I think you're right. I, I would call it a somewhat underwhelming uh, coaching carousel this year. Uh, we've had bigger and better in previous years. But I'll be honest, I, I think when the Eagles aren't in the mix like they were last year, and if you get locked into your coach, then you get out of the field for it. A guy, shoot, we went a decade with Andy Reid running the show here in Philadelphia, right? So yeah. Philadelphians were never part of that mix. I think that takes a little bit of an edge off. They were part of it last year. Didn't know they were going to be part of it. Oh, Doug Peterson's out the door. All of a sudden, we're throwing it. The, who the heck is Nick Sirianni? And I think that kind of tempers the way you look at the coaching carousel. Yeah, locally, I agree. Locally, I understand. I completely understand. The Eagles are not involved. So, you know, Eagles fans aren't interested. I was talking more from a national perspective. We're a local show. I probably shouldn't be saying that. But if you take off your WIP hat and put on your CBS hat, I'll ask you. I I think from from more of a national perspective, I was like, this has been – a little bit less compelling than it typically is. But yeah, locally, if you're if your team's not involved, you don't have much interest, and understandably so. Now, if guys start leaving, you know, we we had rumors of Kevin Petullo that didn't uh shape out and Brian Johnson as well. Obviously, we talked about it yesterday with Jeff Mosher, the Eagles lost the front office exec, but I don't think that splashes much with people because they don't pay attention. To as much to that aspect of it so um but but nationally yeah i mean <clears throat> i don't know i just i have i haven't seen the normal sort of excitement and 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 build up and and maybe it's because people are taking longer because basically they're told to take longer so they don't make those concrete decisions in, in other words you know, usually, and I'm going to be honest here, usually when you fire your coach, you have an eye on somebody and you, you kind of know which way you want to go. Now, sometimes it doesn't work out. We've seen say, that we're only one year removed from Nick Sirianni coming out of left field. Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it does. 2016, same way. The Eagles didn't want Doug Peterson. So sometimes it doesn't doesn't work out. In, in, in as far as targeting, and sometimes it works out on the back end, even if you get the guy you don't want. 
But there's always, and you know, there's always a team that gets that hot candidate, and there's always a team that sort of identifies what they want. Should have been Jacksonville, right? They they made the decision so early. They should have, they should have had all their cards in a row because they changed the rules and you could start interviewing people earlier. And they're such a mess, they can't get it right. But now Doug Peterson's going to circle back with them. Um, Yeah, but I haven't seen that. Maybe it's just because the NFL is very hesitant to to allow teams to just make those rash decisions because they take so many hits from a public relations standpoint. Let me ask you about Jacksonville, because I had a call on uh, Doug Dougie P last night on, on WIP and why isn't he getting a job and uh, the fact that he's uh, going to talk to New Orleans, which I think is a very good thing. Um, but it looked like he you know, interviewed early in the process for Jacksonville and then we didn't hear anything. Oh, well, he's doubling back and getting a second interview. So be it. I said last night on WIP, oh, I'd ra- much rather have the New Orleans job than the Jacksonville job. You know how big a fan I am of the quarterback in Jacksonville. I thought he was the best prospect coming out of college football in more than a decade. So I am, despite the fact that he didn't have a great year, yeah, I'll kind of point the finger at everybody else in Jacksonville uh, above and beyond Trevor Lawrence. But the base of the organization and the talent level that is there right now is not even close as far as I'm concerned. Even though New Orleans has a massive question mark at quarterback, I'd much rather be the Saints QB uh, coach than the uh, Jacksonville coach, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to dig yourself out. That's one of the worst organizations in the NFL. I'm sorry, Tony Khan. Uh, I, you know, obviously it's more your dad than anything else, but who's a good guy. And he, I think he tries to make the right decisions, but man, they are a poorly run organization. And, 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 you know, I talked about identifying candidates from, Everybody I talked to around the NFL, they identified their candidate. They wanted to bring Byron Leftwich back to Jacksonville to be the head coach of that team. And Byron Leftwich didn't want to work with Trent Balky. And interestingly, Albert Preer pointed out some of those. You mentioned that early interview with Doug Peterson. Sounds like Doug was the one who wasn't interested because he had some concerns coming off of what he went through here in Philadelphia. Uh, about the the structure of the front office in Jacksonville. Uh, now, maybe he hasn't gotten other bites, and that's why he's circling back. Uh, maybe Jacksonville's ready to agree to certain things that Doug Peterson wants. Who knows? And and we'll see how it shakes out. But, um, yeah, right now that that organization is not viewed well around the NFL. And, and people with options – aren't going to go there. But it's interesting, you know, Byron Leftwich doesn't have a ton of options. I mean, <clears throat> I suppose New Orleans is is still open for him. There's been talk that they want to interview him, um, although I haven't seen anything concrete on that. Um, and, and we always talk about there's only 32 of these things. So sometimes you, if you want a job, you better take a job and you better make the most, best of a bad situation. Um, you know, guys, looks like Leftwich is ready to say, no, I'm good. And, and, and bet on himself down the line that maybe he can get in a position to get a better job. Here's, uh, he's an interesting, uh, character in a unique situation is Byron Leftwich. The argument to take your time, don't rush, 
make sure the job is right is he's still really young. Is Leftwich the young 40? He's not in his 50s yet, is he? He's still like no, young he's coach, not. right? Yeah, he was uh, – I'll look it up real quick, but he was, what, I guess, the quarterback as late as 20 20- – 2006, seven, somewhere in that range. He's 42. 42. Um, that's what I mean. That's, and he just that's turned young. 42. Yeah. That's that's very young in the coaching circle. So, hey, Byron, you got, lot, you got a lot of time. Here's the downside to it. You might not have Tom Brady next year. His offenses look pretty good the last two years because he's had a guy named Tom Brady pulling the trigger on his offense. And that's going to play well and lend itself to really nice statistics. Next year, we'll see if uh, he is near as much of an offensive genius or guru with someone other than Tom Brady as the quarterback of Tampa, if that's where he's going to stay. So it cut both, cuts both ways for a guy like uh, Brian Leftwich. Um, Doug is a little older. He's already had his championship. He, it would seem, can uh, be as patient as he wants. But after you sit for a year, if you consider yourself a coach, you start to get a little antsy. You start to want to get back onto the sideline. Um, if he isn't handled, uh, offered either of these two jobs, then he's got a chance to just uh, regroup and, and wait for uh, next coaching hire next uh, season. But it seems to me like he wants to get back in. That's why he's uh, going back to Jacksonville for another interview. If you were to rate Doug's desire to get back on the sideline next year, I'd put it pretty high. How about you? Yeah, I mean, that was the plan from his sort of camp was to take a a season off, recharge the batteries in South Florida. Um, You know, uh, Doug won some through some personal issues, losing his father as well, uh, losing his brother. So, you know, sort of take a step away uh, from the game, get your head right, come back in as a Super Bowl winning coach, thinking, you know, people Mm. would be lining up. And we're going to have your buddy Vinny Serrato on uh, today, and I'm excited to ask him. I'm like, boy, I don't get it. I don't get the thought process of these teams. I, I mean, I, I, look, nobody knows. I'll be the first in line to say nobody knows who's what. You know, but I, I think these coaching cycles are a, a lesson in human nature because, you know, fans and 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 are are so sure of a certain guy and you can insert the guy who's unproven and they want this guy they want that guy and there's no way of knowing who's going to be a good head coach in the nfl until you see it and then you get a guy who's done it like doug peterson and even jim harbaugh to a certain degree coming in this process late and I don't know. They're not as valid. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It 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 makes no sense to me, to be honest. So I'm interested to get Benny's thoughts on that. But here's here's the reason why I'm with you on this. And I love the whole prospect of projecting a guy who's never been a head coach and how good a coach he's going to be uh, going forward. And granted, it's only one out of thirty-two teams wins the Super Bowl, right? But who's won the Super Bowls of late? Belichick still, Andy Reid, last year down in Tampa Bay. Who's the – I know that uh, the coach of uh, L.A., McVay, is getting his second Super Bowl in just four years, which is a pretty good accomplishment. But he hasn't won one yet. It's the old guard guys who keep winning them again. 
Arians, Green, and Belichick. So, oh, you got to find that new super young genius, unless, of course, you want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it, it by you know somebody's got to win it this year. It's got to be Sean, or it's got to be uh, Sean's uh, mentor, so to speak, and Zach Taylor. So somebody's got to win it, uh, and it's going to be a young coach who's not done it before. Um, but I will say, look, and I go back to that uh, NFC Championship game, and and you know, I I have I've said it on this show. I think Kyle Shanahan's sort of the best of if you want to call him the new guard, um, I don't even know if he's the new guard anymore because he's been around for a while, but that was a poor coaching performance by both sides. And you could argue who was worse, but they weren't helping their teams. Um, And, you know, one of them got in uh, the Super Bowl, but I don't, I, I think the Rams got in the Super Bowl despite Sean McVay not because of Sean McVay, at least on that, I'm not saying overall, but on that particular game day, he did more damage than good. So I'm not going to sit here and and pretend uh, he did a great job because he's in the Super Bowl. But context gets lost, and if he wins it, everybody's going to forget about the bad decisions in, in the NFC Championship game. But to me, it's interesting because Peterson and Harbaugh have come out late in, in this process, and you know, from my perspective, I'm like, oh, some people finally woke up. And then I start thinking to myself, well, to use Harbaugh, I mean, his record is pretty impressive in the NFL. Never got over the hump, obviously got the Super Bowl, lost to his brother, very close game. Um, won a lot of games and sort of burned out because he didn't get along with people. Um but, you know, hindsight says nobody gets along with Trent Balky. That's why nobody wants to go to Jacksonville. Um, so maybe it's not that rare. But then wherever he's been at Michigan for, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years, that's a long time. This game has changed dramatically over the past seven or eight years. I mean, dramatically. Is he going to be able to keep up with the – the changes at the NFL level, it's interesting. But from a leadership standpoint, I mean, he's already proven he can do it. Doug, Doug's already proven he can do it. And I think it was interesting, and I'll bring up Josh McDaniels because he got introduced as the big, uh, Vegas uh, Raiders head coach. Um, and, he, and he said, I failed in Denver because I didn't know how to work with people. And, and I think that's positive. I mean, he was the worst young coach I've ever seen when, and he was sort of the first, he was so ill prepared for that job. He was awful at everything. And I think it's a, a, a good step to say, look, I, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't know how to work with people because you can't go in to this job, head coach of the NFL and think you're just going to be by yourself, a man alone. You need a lot of help and you got to lead people. And that's an intangible. And people don't like intangibles. They want to go, oh, Kevin O'Connell's the, he's got this great offense. You know, how much is he responsible for the Rams offense? I have no idea. Um, Matt Everflus, new new coach, Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, you and I could, could put a good offense together in the regular season with Aaron Rodgers. We can start talking about the playoffs, but. You know, I give I give I give Aaron Rodgers a lot of credit for Nathaniel Hackett. 
So I don't know how you judge these things, but I do know Doug Peterson has proven it. And I do know Jim Harbaugh has proven it. And I do know all these other guys haven't. Well, you can have your uh, uh, Josh McDaniels. I, I don't care that he said, well, I needed to learn. Well, I don't know if he learned from it. I think it's positive. Well, you were just singing his praises because well, he no, I think it's a positive. It. Here's my thing on Josh McDaniels. I wouldn't hire him if he paid me to be my head coach. I don't necessarily he goes to Denver and he stinks. And then he takes the job in Indianapolis and gets there and goes, Ah, never mind. I'll go back to New England. Yeah. How do you hire a guy like that? I he could have had the most impressive, and I watched some of it yesterday. To, between you and I, I was a little impressed by Brian Dable with his first press conference, and we know that first press conferences can be Brian Dable took a, took a shot had a bad it. one last year, and yet Nick Sirianni had as good a year as he did. Um, I'm not going to worry about the uh, opening press conference. No, either am I. Gosh, I Daniel, and, and when I Daniel said couldn't coach for me in the national. Well, let me let me period. clarify. Let me clarify. I wouldn't hire Josh McDaniels either for that exact reason. Well, the Eagles were close to hiring him. I said the Eagles don't hire him because I don't care what Howie Roseman and Josh McDaniels said on a day in January. They're not getting along two, three years down the road. I, I that's a safe bet. Uh, and I think Jeffrey Lurie was was prudent to go in a different direction. I said it's it's a positive that he verbalized it. Doesn't mean he's going to follow through with it. I wouldn't. I'm I'm with you. I wouldn't hire him in a million years. What he did to the Colts is that's you're done. I'm not even talking to that guy. Um, so so I'm with you. I just think it's a positive that. He verbalized how bad he – and by the way, I just also – I don't know if you heard that, Jody. I called him the worst first-year rookie I've ever seen. I uh, couldn't couldn't get along with anybody. So I'm not a Josh McDaniels man. I think it's a positive he at least verbalized all the mistakes that he wouldn't admit in the past. Now, will he will he come off that? I doubt it, at least to a certain degree. He, he, he probably has to on, on some level because it was so bad the first time. Um, but yeah, I'm not high on him as a coach. I I just find the whole process so interesting because people are so convinced they have the answers and and, and they can't have the answers. And I, I'm talking everybody from fans to media to the actual decision makers, and, and they're so confident. And it, it it's it's bizarre to me. Zach Taylor and uh, Mr. McVeigh, one of the new young bucks is going to win a Super Bowl coming up a couple Sundays from now. So we'll at least give one of those two guys their props for keeping the NFL in the mindset that, hey, you got to find the new young guy. We'll see if it works out. All right, coming up next, uh, because Cincinnati and uh, the Rams uh, were a team that you can look at and probably try and judge by the teams they played this year. I thought it'd be a good time to get our next guest up with the coaching carousel being what it is a former NFL executive and a guy who works these days down in charm city in Baltimore, the Ravens this year played the Bengals twice. That's not going to be pretty for Vinny to talk about because Burrow went nuts in both of those two games, but they also played the Rams and played the Rams real tough. They went 0 and 3 in those games. And that's why we're not talking about the Ravens in the playoffs. Uh, but Baltimore's best from uh, the fan down in Baltimore, former NFL executive Vinny Serrano is going to join us here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. 
go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We're going to add a third voice into the mix. If you listen to him down on 105.7, the fan in Baltimore, you know him well, former NFL executive and butt of the show. Vinny Serrato joins us here on Birch 365. How you been, Vin, man? I'm good. How you guys? Doing well, Vinny. Good to see you. Before we delve into the Super Bowl, and obviously that's the biggest part of this, and you got to see those two teams up close uh, covering the Baltimore Ravens. I do want to talk to you about the coaching cycle because it's so interesting to me. And you've been involved in the process. Uh, Former exec with the 49ers. Can we call them the commanders now? Joe Theismann kind of let that cat out of the bag. So I think it's going to be the Washington commanders. I'm going to have to get used to that, Benny. But um, I slip all the time and say Redskins. Yeah, well, (laughs) we all do. We all do. Uh, I don't think, you know. But that's another story for another day. But I am interested because you've been involved with it. And, I, you know, 
it popped up Doug Peterson. We know well here in Philadelphia, obviously Super Bowl winning coach seemed to be off the radar. Now a little late life in him again. All of a sudden, Jim Harbaugh swooping in, probably going to come back from the college ranks, uh, maybe to Minnesota. Yeah, proven guys versus uh, this sort of sentiment that you want to find the next young coach, whether it's Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, the Super Bowl coaches. What's what's your thought process on how this shakes out every year with NFL teams looking for head coaches? You, you know, <clears throat> like I think like Minnesota's situation, if I was in Minnesota's situation where I've got a quarterback, you know, who's um, – 37 touchdowns, seven picks, you know, and he's making a lot of money. I've got two great receivers. I got a young tight end, Irv Smith Jr. I got a great running back, you know. So me wanting to go hire a young guy that I hope can do it, I go hire Jim Harbaugh in a heartbeat, and he'd bring in Vic Fangio, get that 28th defense squared away, you know, and then I think, and, I mean, look at the – Look at the division. That's that's another reason why I would want a veteran guy if I'm the Vikings, because the Bears are rebuilding, Detroit's rebuilding, and if Aaron Rodgers leaves, Green Bay's rebuilding. So the window over the next couple of years for the Vikings would be to go. And I, I think, you know, is, is Jim Harbaugh interested? You know what uh, tomorrow is in college football? Yeah, sign, it's, signing uh, day. Yeah. And he's going yeah. to interview at the Vikings. Yeah. You know, so – that kind of tells me a lot. Plus, he let, uh, you know, Mike McDonald, his defensive coordinator, leave and go to the Ravens. You know, so all signs kind of point, point to him leaving. But don't forget about the Dolphins, you know. Yeah, Michigan. Right? Michigan man, Stephen yes, Ross. Yes, he is. Stephen Ross. I mean, if you walk around Michigan's campus, you know, there's a lot of the Stephen Ross business school and all of those things. And he said that he wouldn't be the guy to take Jim Harbaugh out, you know, but if the Vikings and he's interviewing, then I, I think that would make a lot of sense. So I'm, if I'm a betting man, Harbaugh is going to be in the NFL. So my Michigan sweatshirt that I have. Oh, I think I'll be that? looking for a new guy. Yeah. That, that, don't kid yourself. That's a uh, son uh, presented sweatshirt uh, for uh, the bin man. Because uh, he's he's a Michigan Michigan guy by family ties yes. these days. Um, but who's the best young coach you ever saw come into the foray in the NFL? Guy who got hired, people talked like a good deal. Maybe you were involved in it, maybe you weren't, maybe you just heard about it, and then judged the results thereafter. Who is the guy who came in, and when the team hired him, they were taking a bit of a chance, but it paid off in uh, spades? Well, a guy that I had... Jody, I mean, I knew him since he was, what, nine or ten years old, was Kyle Shanahan. You know, I mean, because Mike was – I was with Mike in San Francisco, you know, for, what, two or three years. You know, and Kyle was just a youngster. And then when they went to Denver, Mike tried to hire me to be the GM when he went to Denver. You know, so I stayed at his house a couple of days, and I was hanging out with Kyle. And then when me and Dan went out to California – you know, when we had an opening and we interviewed Mike, Kyle was a GA at UCLA. So, you know, Mike says, you know, can Kyle come over? You know, I haven't seen him. So, yeah, come on over. And then Dan says, why don't you just sit out in the interview so you can, you know, kind of learn too. So, so I was sitting there interviewing Mike and Kyle. <laughs> 
Kyle, Kyle to me is the he's what he's what people say Sean McBay is. To me, he's the most innovative offensive coach, young coach in the NFL. Although I have to admit, I don't think either of them had a very good game no. in the NFC championship game. But, you know, to get your team in that position, and that's what I want to ask you. So you've seen a lot of coaches over the years, Benny. When you look back, what's the most important part? What what are the one or two traits all the great ones have together? Most guys tell me it isn't scheme. It, it, it's other intent, more intangible things. What's your thought process on that? I think one of the biggest things is um, when they walk in that room, do they have presence? You know, can they command the room? You know, like when <clears throat> when I was at went into Notre Dame, Lou Holtz, and even at Minnesota, when he walked into a room, those players sat up in their chair, took notice, and, you know, and listened to every word he said. Mike Shanahan was like that, too. You know, and you look at all these young guys that are having success right now, they all come from similar backgrounds. I mean, how about LaFleur, Kyle, and uh, McVay were all on Mike's staff in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, Dan screwed that one up. He let them all leave. <laughs> all right, Vinny. Uh, before we uh, start to break down the teams that you saw firsthand with the Ravens this year that are going to be playing in the Super Bowl twelve days down the road, I do want to get one Raven question in, and that's about uh, you guys' quarterback. I-, I always thought each week, okay, Lamar's coming back this week. All right, well, let's finally get Lamar back this week. It looks like Lamar and he never got back into the lineup, uh, which tells me his uh, injury was more significant than we were led to believe, and uh, it just wasn't to be for them this year. Uh, after the fact, and the fact that uh, he missed as much time at the end of the season, is he going to be all right? Was this something that they just didn't want to take a chance with? Was he more hurt than at least? And I'm just judging from afar. You're there in town, so you should know better. Lamar's injuries and what he dealt with going forward, how does that affect his status as their quarterback, seeing as he hasn't signed that contract extension yet? No, he'll be fine. He had a bone bruise. He had a deep bone bruise and you know, in his ankle. And my wife's an orthopedic foot and ankle surgeon. She told me at the time when she heard bone bruise, that's four to six weeks, you know, and it's extremely painful. And it's hard to rehab it because there's nothing you can really do because your bone is bruised. You know, it just takes time. And I think that's what happened to him. You know, um, he's got the contract situation. It's going to be interesting. And Harbs talked yesterday, you know, um, and he wasn't definitive on Greg Roman coming back. They lost Bobby Ingram, the tight end coach. He left and went to Wisconsin to be the OC. T. Martin's interviewing with the Buffalo Bills, you know, as OC. So I, I – the uh, Raven staff is not done yet. And it'll be interesting to see about Greg Roman, because I've always said on the radio, um, if you look at Greg Roman's history, he's good the first year, then it goes down and the third year, you know, it was not good at all. So I just think that they need a new voice in there to, to get better in the passing game. And I think that'll help Lamar. Now him losing his running back, Jody, I think killed him. You know, because they didn't have a running game, and all of a sudden he's 82% of the offense, which normally he was like 63%. So I think that put a lot of pressure on him. The old line wasn't very good. He was getting beat up. You know, so he was looking at the rush. He lost his confidence. He, You know, I mean, when had you ever seen 
Lamar Jackson throwing his helmet down and doing those kinds. He was always the guy who was smiling, patting people on the butt, and that wasn't him, you know, the last half of the season. So he struggled. Greg Roman struggled. They struggled with the blitz, you know. So they've got some things that they can fix. You know, they have nine draft picks. They don't have – they have 26 million in cap room. So they need offensive line. They need a pass rusher. They need a, a middle free safety. You know, so they, they've got a lot of things that they've got to fix. I mean, for Eric DaCosta, this is his most important year that he's ever had. Benny, you, you bring up a good point about the assistant coaches. And John's been around for a long time and one of the best head coaches in this league. Um, so we have nine openings at the beginning of this process. And people think about the head coach only. You got to populate staffs when you move and, and, and you you become a new head coach. So you start looking at guys from other teams. How did you guys plan for that? Did you have sort of a depth chart that if so-and-so leaves, you know, as an up-and-coming coach, uh, he gets a coordinator job? Was that something you guys prepared, prepared for in advance, or is that something you just kind of hand on the fly? Well, you know what's interesting about I mean, the head coaches kind of control their staff, you know, and they, they usually have – guys that they know or guys on the staff like when joe gibbs came in it was pretty interesting you know because he had his old guys that he had and then like he he said who's the best defensive coordinator out there at that time you know it was greg williams who had just got fired in buffalo i mean joe's first day he got in a plane and flew up to buffalo to see greg williams i mean he was not going to stop till he got his staff and when you're interviewing coaches the most important part of the interview process especially if you're hiring a defensive guy, who's your offensive coordinator? Who's your offensive staff? If you've got an offensive guy, who are you bringing in as a DC? I mean, to me, those were the most important things. And those were upfront and early in the interview process because, you know, you got to know, like the one time we interviewed Spagnola, you know, after they won the Super Bowl, and he wanted to bring all his friends. I said, you can't do that. You know, all the guys from the World League and all that. And I said, you can't do that, Spags, you know. And then he did. And then that, look what happened in St. Louis. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. I mean, that the staff is a critical part of it if you're GM to make sure that, you know, you're getting the right people. And you want to give the head coach some leeway to bring in his guys. Right. But you also want – to have a little influence yourself so there's balance to the staff and we were actually kind of surprised here in philadelphia because we thought the head coach just hired nick sirianni actually had more say over his assistants than doug peterson ever did and all yeah. peterson did was win a super bowl but howie roseman kind of handpicked the staff uh so it is a balancing act between the coach and the general manager correct oh absolutely well you know like jody the one year after joe retired you know we said you know, it wasn't, and we had been to the playoffs, so it wasn't like we were bad, and our defense was like in the top five. Greg Blosh was the DC, and you know, we were telling the coaches, "Hey, you know, it, it this is a different situation. You got you were you have a playoff team, so you've got a great defensive staff. You need to you need to look at that staff because they're extremely good. They've done good things, you know. So going and bringing in a bunch of new guys doesn't make a lot of sense. I got criticized a lot because they said, "Oh." You know, you're handing the coach, you know, you're making him keep this staff. Well, the staff was, you know, the second best defense in the league, and it wasn't, you know, our coach got fired. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is a little bit different uh, when uh, the team decides to make a uh, coaching change. All right, uh, I picked your Ravens to be in the playoffs this year. Main reason was because, yeah, I like Lamar, but I thought they've been outstanding at losing top-flight defensive talent, but then just replacing them, either with draft or their own free agent signings and the like. The Raven defense wasn't near as good as I thought it was going to be this year. And one guy who lit him up not once but twice is Joe Burrow. How did Burrow have the two mega games that he had against that Ravens in defense? We've seen him that he's special with what he's doing here in the playoffs. You got a first-hand look at it during the regular season. How did he put up those massive numbers against the Raven day? Well, Jody, how about the first game? The Ravens are winning in the third quarter. You know, they they start the third quarter. Ravens go down and score. They've got the Bengals backed up, you know, like on the 15-yard line, third and six, third and six. And Chase catches a little slant route. They miss two tackles, and uh, 80-some yards later, it's a touchdown. (laughs) Tackling was the biggest problem, you know. Tackling was the biggest problem the first time. And then the second time, you know, they just didn't have the corners that could handle that receiving core. And Joe Burrows, Joe, Joe Burrows spectacular. I think I, I love, I would love him to be, you know, my core. That would be the type of quarterback I would love because you love his intensity. You love his tenacity. You know, he's smoking. Kind of reminds me of like Joe Montana. Joe Cole. Yeah. Uh, and he put up, I think, I think they put up 41 twice uh, against the Ravens. So it's interesting to me, Benny, because it's such a young quarterback, number one. They were at two wins when they drafted him, four wins last year. Now he got hurt, so that factored into it. And he's coming off the ACL on top of it. And he doesn't have an offensive line, and he's in the Super Bowl. That that kid is special. Have you ever seen an offensive line this bad in a Super Bowl? Uh, in the Super Bowl, no. I was going to say the Ravens offensive line. But, um, <laughs> Jody, the thing about it, look, you know, like last year, I criticized Zach Taylor because I thought, you know, when I watched Joe Burrow play, you know, I loved the kid. You know, and I thought the head coach was doing a disservice to him, you know, because they're not giving the offensive line help. He's getting killed. And the Ravens, you know, two years ago, the Ravens are beating him like by 30, and he's keeping them in the game and having them drop back and throw. You know, get him out of the game. You know, I, I said at that time, he's eventually going to get hurt. And he did. And it pissed me off so bad about Zach Taylor. You know, I was so down on, on Zach Taylor, you know, because of how he handled the quarterback. You know, you got to protect. When you have an investment like that, you got to protect him and do everything you can to protect that kid. Now, you know, they need to go fix that offensive line. You know, I'm sure the Rams are like lip, licking their chops you know, to go against that offensive line because they're not good. You know, I mean, you look at, you know, their balance and they bend, they don't bend their knees. The biggest thing with an offensive lineman, you got to be able to bend your knees. If you can't bend your knees, you know, you're not an athlete. And, you know, if you're a stiff knee guy, you know, if your head's down, you're down, you know, that that's the thing. So yeah, that offensive line is bad. That's why, you know, he's got to get rid of the ball extremely quick. And they were fourth in the league, I believe, in yak yards for the season. So they 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 have receivers that can make plays after the catch. And you talk about the Bengals offensive line and the, the issues they have. Frank Pollock, the ex-49er, is their offensive line coach. And when he compares 
Joe Burrow to Joe Montana. He's got a hands-on feel for both of the Joe Cools. So I'll give him that much credit because he said it, uh, talked to a Cincinnati media guy over the weekend and said, oh, Frank Pollock went there before the season ever started when Joe was still rehabbing from the bad knee that he had that he compared uh, the two Joe Cools. Well, Frank, that's good that you hit that nail on Ed. Now get your offensive line together for the Super Bowl because it could well, be the some thing about it, Joe, Frank was there when I was there. He was? Yeah. He was a backup offensive lineman, you know, for us. And he learned from the best. Bob McKittrick, our offensive line coach, was spectacular, you know. And he'll get it right if he gets the right players. You know, Jonas Williams is not a tackle. You know, I mean, that was a total bust. I mean, the only shot he's got maybe is at guard. But if you see an old lineman and he's on the ground all the time, that's not a good offensive lineman. You look at, you know, good old linemen, they're not on the ground. Yeah, they had That's a bet. They had a veteran. You, know, you watch uh, Trent Williams. Trent yeah. Williams wasn't on yeah, the ground much. Well, he's you know, on the ground watch, when he's. You know, the when Eagles, he's... good linemen that they've had in the past. They're not on the ground. Bad offensive linemen, they're on the ground. Yeah, Trent Williams in, uh, is on the ground when he's pancaking somebody. That's the only <laughs> time he's on the ground. Um, yeah, that guy's uh, amazing. But. Uh, when you talk about the offensive line as a whole, they did lose Riley Reef, who's competent, so they lost him to injury. But when you start talking about and fans, understandably, Benny, they get excited by the skill position players, obviously. And Jamar Chase is unbelievable. And, and people overlook how good T. Higgins is because how good Jamar Chase is. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Boyd is one of the best slot receivers. Uzama's a tight end. It looks like he's going to be healthy enough at least to potentially go. There was concern. They lost him. Joe Mixon's a great running back. Can you win in the NFL now with poor offensive line play? If you have a quarterback smart enough to understand what he's dealing with? Well, look at the Bengals. Why? I mean, he leads the league in sacks also. You know, so, I mean, you're kind of living on borrowed time. You yeah. know, because is he going to, when's he going to get hurt? So they, they've got, what, 10 draft picks and they got $70 million in cap room. They, they've got the opportunity to fix that offensive line. I think the guy that changed them and the personality, Hendrickson on defense, I love him, man, you know, because he plays with such great uh, – he plays like uh, Watt, you know, yeah. and that's what you got to love about him. And their defense, how good did their defense play in the second half? I mean, that was Oof. what was really impressive, you know, so – they're they're better on the other side of the ball too. I think that's where they made they made the big adjustments. I Vinny, uh, they did get uh, handled twice by the Bengals during the year, but your squad also played the Rams, and you play them to a one point game was real close. Ravens absolutely could have won it, they didn't, but much more competitive against the Rams than the Bengals. What did you see out of the Rams late in the season that made you say? All right, yeah, they're they're a legit team. Or did you see something that made you say, right, "Well, they'll make the playoffs, but they're not going anywhere." What would you read on the Ram Rams when the Ravens played them late in the year? Well, I, Jody, I think you know, watching them prior to watching their film, thought they were extremely talented. And you know, when a team like that, they had to they switched the game to one o'clock, so West Coast going East, they got to play at ten in the morning. Um, the Ravens had lost what five in a row. Got a lot of backups playing. I'm guessing that their their thinking was, let's just find a way to win this game no matter what and get out of here. I don't think we got the Rams A game. You know, that that's what I I think. You know, we're seeing them now. Um, 
with energy, with passion, and you know, and playing a much better football than they are. Because the other thing too is is Odell Beckham is a lot better now than he was then. You know, he fits in a lot better. So, uh, and uh, you know, got the running back back, and you know, even Von Miller's playing a lot better now. So I think they're a much better football team now than when I saw them. I think when I saw them, they're like, okay, we just need to find a way to win this game no matter what. All right. Uh, For the Rams, Benny, I want you to put your GM hat on because I want you to tell me what you think about Les Snead, what you think about he's doing. Because, look, people treat draft picks like they are gold bars in this league, as you know. And the Rams said to a certain degree, screw it. They don't have a first round pick till 2024. They go out and get Matthew Stafford and all Jalen Ramsey years past this year. It's Odell Beckham Jr. It's Von Miller to team up with, with Aaron Donald. They've gone all in to use the praise. I love when guys zag when everybody else is zigging or vice versa. And I think Lesney did that and he's got his team in the Super Bowl. Is that just a, a, a philosophy you use at a time when you think you have a lot of talent, or is that sort of a new way NFL GMs can start thinking about? It? Because why why the, the distrust of proven players, other than we know their shelf life is smaller? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. They have a philosophy, and everybody's bought in. Plus, they knew that they were going to have the Super Bowl at home, you know, so, I mean, they went all in on that. And, and that's kind of been their motto ever since they started. I mean, they they went for older players. The year we won the Super Bowl in 94, we had 18 unrestricted free agents on our team that were one-year guys. And they were all veteran guys. I mean, we had Richard Dent. We had Ricky Jackson. You know, Dion. We had a lot of veteran guys. You know, and we did have three rookies starting, which was, you know, kind of a bonus. But we were a veteran football team also. And when you've got those guys, the Aaron Donalds and and the players that they have, I mean, a rookie. All right. They're probably they're saying, hey, we can go get a guy, give a draft pick and we can win now. Otherwise, you know, is the guy going to develop in two years? And 50 percent of the time they don't. So they're betting on now. And they're betting on guys that we know that they can play, you know, with Stafford. I mean, look at what all the draft picks Denver gave up to get Peyton Manning, you know, and whoever's going to give up draft picks for Aaron Rodgers. Look at what Tom Brady did. You know, when you got that type of guy, you know, when you've got a quarterback who's in the mid to late thirties, you're not in a, you know, let's win in a couple of years. No, you're in the win now mode. And if you, you know, when you, if Denver gets uh, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to give up draft picks and they're going to go get some veteran guys to fill in because now is the time. And oh, by the way, the Rams actually tangentially benefit because they'll probably send no one to the Senior Bowl this week because they don't have any draft picks. They're kind of busy <laughs> with the Super Bowl anyway, so it actually works out for them. Hey, this Jody, the you week. know what, though? When <clears throat> the year we <clears throat> went, uh, went to the Super Bowl, you know, because it's always the same time. That was the funnest time I had because I flew down. We played the Cowboys, beat the Cowboys, and I caught the red eye to Mobile that night. You know, and we had a week prior to, you know, there was two weeks for the Super Bowl. So you get to go down there and walk around, and, and everybody that hates you 
has got to come up and congratulate you. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see where that would work for you if you're going down there as you're preparing for the Super Bowl. Um, that week, I'm sure, was fun for you. But how much did you like? How important was the Senior Bowl in roster building? They're great kids that come after that. They're junior. They're not going to be there. But seniors are still the core of the draft class. How important is that? It's going to be a pretty big draft for the Eagles here this year. They've got three picks. They're either going to use them or they're going to move them for uh, other pieces. Uh, but at least on paper, as they head to Mobile, it's a very important draft for the Eagles. How important is Senior Bowl Week? Well, I liked it a lot, you know, because it's good on good, you know, and you're getting NFL coaching. That That's the thing. So, and, and what you want to see is because they're getting NFL coaching, you want to, you know, when you watch the film, how does the guy adapt to the NFL coaching and does he get better Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday? You know, that that's that's what I would want to see. Plus, the other thing is um, when I um, had the small school guys, I like to see how they adapted. Like when I went down there and looked at Terrell Owens, you know, he was from Tennessee, Chattanooga. I wanted to see how he adjusted, and he had no problems adjusting, and that kind of goes in the back of my mind. All right, last one from me, Benny, because uh, we're not going to talk to you before the Super Bowl. i got to get you on record. Who's going to win? Cincinnati Bengals, Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay versus Zach Taylor. Young coach has got to win it. We're going to have a young coach as a Super Bowl winner. Yeah. I want the Bengals, you know. I kind of think the home team has the advantage. So I'm going to take the Rams, you know, and their defensive front's pretty good. So um, the Bengals got a shot if they, if uh, the Rams don't tackle well in the secondary. Yeah, they do have to get yards after catch and they, and nobody does it better. Uh, they're great at it. So that's, that's going to be an important part of that game to neutralize Aaron Donald to try to get the football out of Joe Burrow's hands quickly. No question about it. Uh, could could Eric Weddle actually be the MVP of that game, tackling in the secondary? <laughs> no. Nice to come off the beach and win <laughs> no. a uh, MVP in the no. Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, Benny's right. No, no, if, no, if, Erica. The only way that Weddle will is if he's tackling Mixon in between the tackles. <laughs> okay. All right. That could be a key element of the game. All right. Last one for me. We see you got the Michigan swag on. Uh, how's the Suns hockey journey going? Where is he uh, as of this week? I was in Youngstown last week. They played Youngstown. Uh, they split with them one and one. The game on Sunday had two assists. And then I'm going to go see. They're playing the. Uh, they're playing in Pittsburgh next Monday and Tuesday. So I'm going to go see them uh, Monday. Um, so they've got a lot of games. I mean, after his collarbone, sir, he's basically played six games thus far this season. So he's making progress. The the collar's healing up okay? Oh, he's fine, yeah. Good deal. All right, Vinny, always a pleasure. Whenever we get you on, you're always fun to have on. Uh, have a fun run up to the Super Bowl this week. Yeah, you better say you're rooting for the Rams. That's not going to go over well if you say on the radio in Baltimore you're rooting for Cincinnati. That's not going to fly. I said it yesterday. And then okay. the Jody. And then I said I'd rather have Burrow than uh, Lamar. Oh, oh. Well, that's just that's just being honest. If the yeah, Raven fans yeah. can't handle that, they need to take off the purple colored glasses. Uh, mm. Vinny, great stuff. Thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate it, bud. We'll talk to you down right. the road. Thanks, Benny.
That is Vinny Serrato, former NFL executive, host on 105.7 The Fan down in Baltimore. And he's a straight shooter. That's why I like Vinny. That's why I've got him on. He tells you exactly what he thinks. He doesn't look to sugarcoat anything. Baltimore, sorry. I'd rather have Joe Burrow than uh, our MVP quarterback. Mm, yeah, stay up that's not going to go over well in Baltimore. But it's true, Jody. I yeah. mean, it's true. And that's not an insult to Lamar Jackson. Uh, Joe Burrow's right up at the top of the list of quarterbacks you'd like to have in the NFL. Wouldn't mind having Lamar Jackson either, but if no. it's a preference, one or the other, sorry, Lamar, we're going Joe Cool. All right, uh, the Mac and Mac Cool guys coming back. We'll continue to talk about the Super Bowl, about the birds, all things football. We're going to get a little bit more analytically involved uh, down the road. Uh, pro football uh, focuses. Uh, Mr. Uh, Brad Spielberg, uh, Brad Spielberg Brad. is going to join us next hour. Uh, but John McMullen, Jody McDonald coming right back here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mac guys here with you on Birds 365. 
Jody McDonald, John McMullen, hanging with you. Uh, JM, I want to talk Houston with you on two fronts. Number one, the fact that uh, we don't know if Jonathan Gannon's going to be their uh, next coach. Um, they had uh, he's had a couple of meetings with them. Uh, they seem to be dragging their feet down there. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, what you are feeling on uh, is Jonathan Gannon closer or further away from getting the Houston job? Yeah, the longer it goes, I think it's the wor- it's worse for Jonathan Gannon because I, I do think there was a lot of early sort of push that he was going to be the guy uh, in Houston that sort of dissipated. And, you know, there was some thought that they might do the really unique thing of hiring Josh McCown as well. And I always thought it would make sense to pair the two. Um, because if you hire a defensive coach, you need an offensive coach. Vinny was just talking about that. Um, and I thought it would be at least unique to do it that way and sort of sort of pair them. But that's an organization that's taken a lot of hits uh, for a lot of reasons, a lot of them good, uh, obviously. Uh, and I think they're scared to do anything sort of outside the box. And I think they're sort of leaking towards more of a safe mode where people will be more accepting. I never think that's a good decision. You you got to look, if you believe in somebody, hire them. And that's, that's when I was talking about what tells me about their coaching search is they don't believe in anybody. Um, And they're just trying to find their way and trying to find their way, trying to find their way. Very similar to what the Eagles did last year. They kept interviewing people, interviewing people, interviewing people, Till I got the Nick Sirianni and he wowed Jeffrey Lurie. Maybe it works out for them, but certainly seems they don't have the courage of their convictions, so to speak. And they keep looking and looking and looking. And they probably, almost like a politician, they probably look on social media and say, how's this going over? Oh, is this okay? Um, and you, you shouldn't do it that way. But it, that's that's the kind of read I get on their situation. I agree with you in this sense. They haven't been wowed by anybody yet. If they had been wowed by either Jonathan Gannon or McCown, I think they would have hired him. Uh, I think they were okay with both, but weren't knocked over by either one. Yeah, I, I don't see your uh, plan about trying to pair the two. Once you interview both for the head coach position, to go to the other guy, and oh, by the way, they couldn't even do that with Gannon, because he's already the Eagles defensive coordinator, so he's not going to move to Houston to be their D.C. in a lateral move. Can't happen. So you'd have to ask McCown, who I know has no uh, resume whatsoever, no ed- no coaching experience at all, but interview for the head coaching job, and they say, oh, by the way, we want you to be our offensive coordinator. Number one, don't know if he'd take the job. Number two, I don't know if Gannon would want him, because he's the coach in waiting. If you're going to take the head coach job and the guy that they also interviewed and got a lot of buzz to be the head coach is now your offense coordinator. Well, they're bringing them in here to be able to plug them in when you fail. I wouldn't want that guy. I know. Uh, well, I'm not saying he would. Guys, I, I'm but not, they don't know each other. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't uh, necessarily want them. But again, Jonathan Gannon's not uh, Jim Harbaugh. He's not uh, Doug Peterson. He can't walk into the building and say, you know what? I want the if if he wants a head coaching job, he's going to have to take the Houston Texans job. 
uh, and very similar to Doug in 2016. And maybe that means uh, being told who your assistants are going to be. Um, and if he's got confidence in himself, maybe he just comes back to Philadelphia and says, I'll wait for a better situation. Um, but just from the standpoint, look, I, I, you know, this process has taken longer than usual. And part of that is because of the change in rules. And part of that is the NFL making teams go through a longer process. Um, but part of it is also, uh, this is an underwhelming group of candidates and everybody's looking, um, for the next, and insert name, whether you think it's Sean McVay, whether you think it's Zach Taylor because they're in the Super Bowl, whether you think it's Matt LaFleur, um, who's won 13 games in three consecutive seasons. Um, you know, that's what they're looking for. That's the template now. That's what everybody wants. And just like I told Benny as well, I like teams that zig when everybody else is zagging. Um it's a lot of group think in the NFL, a lot of group think. And you, Kevin O'Connell is a perfect example. Look, you know, Stephen Ross is a Michigan man. Maybe um, he just swoops in and takes Jim Harbaugh. Then Kevin O'Connell would be number two in Minnesota. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Minnesota, he'd probably get that job. Houston is interviewing Kevin O'Connell. So he's the guy now. Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell. Nobody knows anything about Kevin O'Connell. Maybe wow, somebody, maybe he's the greatest coach in the history of the world. I don't know anything about Kevin O'Connell. Nobody else knows anything about Kevin O'Connell. I'm underwhelmed, Jody. That's what I went through in the first segment. I'll say it again here. I am underwhelmed by this entire process. And we'll see where it takes Mr. Gannon over the next several days. All right. Uh, didn't notice this over the weekend. Our very own Dan Cilio tweeted out on Sunday that GM Howie Roseman has restoked conversations with the Houston Texans and uh, their general manager, Nick uh, Casario, about a potential Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, this kind of came out of left field. I didn't know that... Uh, Dan was going there. Um, maybe it was just a friendly little, hey, are you enjoying this great football playoff action? We're bummed that we're no longer in. I'm sorry, sure you're bummed. Hey, by the way, how are things going with the Deshaun Watson situation down there in Houston? Um, Cilio did drop this tweet over the weekend that the Eagles and the Texans were talking. Um, Dan's got some pretty good sources around the National Football League. What do you make of it? 
Um, I, not much, and I like Dan, and I'm on his show uh, pretty frequently. I mean, Howie's always uh, uh, checked in. I, we've been reporting this for a long time. I mean, the Eagles have a lot of interest in Deshaun Watson as a football player, and they think very, very highly of Deshaun Watson as a football player, and they think he's a superstar quarterback that they would like to be in business with uh, if all the other things that we know are, are cleaned up and he's ready to play. And he wants to play here because to date, Deshaun Watson has not wanted to play here. Look, you can't do anything this time of year. Uh, the new new league year doesn't start till March 16th. Uh, we know everybody's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Everybody is at the Senior Bowl. I don't know how he's going to some more personnel people, but he might be there. Um, and we'll see. I'll check down with some people who went, but um, it, it, it's, it, you know, he checks in on everything. You, you could, you could write Howie Roseman checked in on insert name and you'd be right because he calls about everybody. But the, the key part is he has significant, significant interest in Deshaun Watson as a football player always has probably always will. Um, doesn't mean um, you can get things done. And this is not the time of the calendar where you're talking about trades. I mean, it's, you're, you're not allowed to trade. You're not allowed to tamper. Uh, new league years, I said, doesn't start till March 16th. Um, and the first hurdle you have to overcome with Deshaun Watson is legal uh, ramifications. Right. The second hurdle, and perhaps the bigger hurdle, is getting him to waive his no trade clause for Philadelphia. If they can get past those two hurdles, um, yeah, the Eagles are going to have a lot of conversations with uh, Houston. This, this is probably an unfair question because you're not working at Houston beat these days, but you got pretty good ties and contacts around the league. Um, you've reported it. Uh, others have reported, others reported that um, Deshaun Watson – because he has no trade clause, would not waive it to come to Philadelphia. Was that more so because he's not a Philly guy, doesn't like the Eagles, not a cheesesteak fan, or because he is that big a Dolphin fan that he knows that the conversations actually uh, advanced between the Texans and the Dolphins in season? He wants to live on South Beach. Maybe they got better masseuses down there. I would guess that would be the case, but maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Um, it's a is, low blow, Jody. But I like it. Eh, sorry, but it was on point. Um, did you ever get a sense of why Deshaun Watson was not all that high on becoming a Philadelphia Eagle? Well, remember, and that's part of it. I re at the time, the Eagles were at a low point as far as their reputation around the league uh, because they just fired the Super Bowl winning head coach three years after winning. Um, they they had a bad football team coming off a 4-11-1 uh, season. Uh, they didn't have a lot of skill position players. Um, as a quarterback, you notice that. Uh, they had they hired an unknown as a head coach. Um, so things have trained changed drastically and maybe revisits. But from Deshaun's situation, I think he just wanted Miami for the locale um, and, and just enjoys the city. Um, and that's another thing. If Miami's closed off to him, well, you got to play somewhere. 
Um, and all of a sudden, the Eagles' reputation has been built back up. So, yeah, they'll have those conversations again. I think a lot of it comes down to where um, you you can want to play anywhere, but you can't make that team want you. Russell Wilson had a similar situation where he, his agent identified four teams that he would prefer to go to, and he has a no-trade clause, and the Eagles weren't on that list. Now, if it's presented to Russell Wilson, saying, well, can't go to Chicago, can't go to New York, can't go to Vegas, I think. I forget the fourth one. Um, how about Philadelphia? Maybe he says yes. I, you know, that that kind of stuff can change at the drop of a hat. True. Uh, and, and there's no, like I always say with press conferences, nobody's under oath. Well, just because you say one day, no, I don't want to go there. It doesn't mean you can wake up the next morning and say, guess what? I'll waive it now. You know, financial apology, skill position player, coach, very fluid league. J-Mac, you know how big a Tua Tungvaloa fan I am. I still think he's got a chance to be a legit franchise quarterback in this league. Yeah, it hasn't been as good as I thought it would be. He hasn't been bad either, um, but uh, not as many – People around the league are as high on them as I am. They were legitimately interested in Deshaun Watson. I believe those reports that they, they actually had consummated a deal, but Ross threw in the, oh, by the way, tell Deshaun he's got to clear up all his lawsuits before we pull the trigger out of trade, basically killing the deal. And then after the fact, the misreporting of, oh, it's all Flores' idea to acquire Deshaun Watson, not the owner's idea. Yeah, right. Uh, Schefter and those guys had to draw back on on that particular line of logic down there. I still think the Dolphins are very interested in him. I don't know if I would be if I were now my franchise. I was the GM or the owner because I'm not as big a Tua fan as I am. You still think Miami's the place that he's most likely going to end up, right? Yeah, I do. I I do because uh, he wants to be there. I think Stephen Ross has already approved it, uh, you know, barring legal entanglement. So from that standpoint, now it's always uncertainty because you don't know who the head coach is going to be. People have speculated on Mike McDaniel. Uh, but as Benny mentioned, if Stephen Ross steps in and says, hey, guess what? Uh, Minnesota interviewed him first, uh, so he's going to leave anyway. Might as well come here. Uh, maybe he goes to Jim Harbaugh, and and Jim Harbaugh would have uh, tremendous power uh, in that type of situation. So, again, when I say things are fluid, who does he like? Uh, who does he want uh, to be his quarterback? And I think that would be the ultimate uh, end game. But I would say I got a lot of respect for Jim Harbaugh as a head coach. And I think if he had his druthers, he would take the better player. And I think the better player is pretty clear. Now, Jody, you, you could bring more moral issues into this as well. Maybe somebody doesn't want somebody because they don't like what he did sure. uh, or what he's alleged of doing. There's a lot of moving parts to that, but if it's just football, I mean, I know you like Tua more than me, but I don't, I don't think you, you're going to say he's better than Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I don't see anybody can 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 make that evaluation. So, I mean, from a football standpoint, it's pretty easy, but there's more things in play than just a, a pure football perspective. 
putting the Jordan and the warts that he brings with him aside, I'm not even factoring that in, which you have to in the real world. If Houston's going to get three first-round picks for him, if my choice is keep Tua and use three first-round picks to improve the team over whatever period of time, and I know the Dolphins, unlike the Eagles, don't have three first-round picks in this year's draft, but they're going to have, if that's the cost that they're going to eventually have to give up, keep those three picks and keep Tua, or take Deshaun Watson and give up those three picks, yeah, I'd stay with Tua. I'm not saying I think Tua's a better quarterback. I think Tua plus three first-round draft picks is more valuable than just Deshaun Watson by himself. That That's my stance from a uh, Dolphin perspective. All right, yes, warts are part of what you have to deal with if you're going to uh, bring on a guy like Deshaun Watson. I ran this by uh, uh, Jeff Mosher when we had him on the show yesterday, and I didn't get your take on it, and I, I'd like to do so here. Uh, maybe a key component of Super Bowl 56 for the Rams this week could be their other wide receiver, which would be Odell Beckham Jr. Had a big game this past week in helping the Rams get to the Super Bowl. Yes, Cooper Cup is the main man. It's pretty nice for Matthew Stafford to have both of those guys as options in their offense. He's a free agent at the end of this season. He had a god-awful couple of years in Cleveland. Um, you want to blame him, you want to blame the quarterback, you want to blame the organization, but he was an abject failure in uh, Cleveland, but he has kind of turned it around and rewritten his uh, future with what he's done for the Rams this year. Uh, he's going to be a free agent going into this offseason. How much has he turned his opinion around the league because of the way that he's played? It seems like he's pretty damn happy out there in L.A. The Rams should want to retain him, but they've got some cap issues of their own they've got to deal with. Would Odell Beckham Jr. be a fit here in Philadelphia with their wide receiver uh, slash head coach? Well, it's kind of what I said uh, with Deshaun Watson and the Dolphins. From a from a just a pure football standpoint, obviously, yes. I mean, he's such an upgrade over what they have. Um, so from that standpoint, an emphatic yes. Then you have all the other stuff, and obviously, right. there's there's um, personality issues in the past. Uh, there's money issues. I don't think he's going to take a cost effective deal. If, unless he has to, unless nobody else wants there. And I think he's proven to people around the league, he can still play. So somebody's going to um, ante up something for Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think it's going to be what he played. You know, he went to the Rams on a, a deep, deep discount just to try to win one. Um, so that factors into it. Uh, the Eagles have enough money to get, done what they want to get done in free agency unlike last year and obviously how he's good at moving around money um just from a culture standpoint just from how i know the eagles uh um, act and uh go about their business i would find it hard to believe that they would bring him in um but you know stranger things have happened they could be getting desperate at the wide receiver position because of what has gone on. And I've talked about ad nauseum. They need to bring in a veteran proven guy. Well, this is a veteran proven guy. You know, he can play all the negative stuff. Isn't about him being able to produce on the football field. 
maybe they start to get desperate. Uh, they brought in players. They would be, you know, could you imagine bringing in Deshaun Watson and Hotel Beckham Jr. on the same offseason? It would be very un-Eagles-like. Um, but if you're going to go for it, he can help you. I'll say that. Right. And here's where I think it actually, I'm not saying I think he's going to sign with the Eagles, but I give it a possibility. Off the season, the bounce back half season that he's had in LA, my guess is he thinks he's going to go right back to being paid as one of the top two or three wide receivers in the league. I don't think that's out there for him in the league with anybody. I don't think anybody's going to go four years, 18 million per, whatever the number outrageous it is. But I think he's going to believe that's the case. So I don't think he's going to sign quickly. So Devontae Adams goes back to Green Bay or goes elsewhere. Uh, Mike Williams is the guy that I want from the Chargers. Think it would be a perfect fit. Big guy with the Eagles. He signed somewhere, not Philadelphia-wise. A uh, couple of the big wide receiver names come off the board and are signed. Um, then all of a sudden, he's still sitting there. If the Eagles miss out on those other guys, which would be more of the hindrance to the Eagles signing a guy like Odell Beckham? Is it going to be the money or is it going to be the personality? The personality. I I don't think I'm with you. I think he'll get a nice deal. But if he thinks he's going to be where he was before, um, I don't think he's going to be. He's not going to be in the Devontae Adams uh, conversation. Um so I agree with you there. I yeah, and and they can get things done. As I said, they don't have a ton of money in free agency, but uh, they would be able to structure a deal to get done whatever they need to get done. I think it would be more personality driven, and the Eagles would have to have some deep conversations about that, and and maybe desperation turns them in that direction. I mean, right. they need, you know. You look at what's going on right now with the Rams. I mean, Cooper Cup is the guy there, and he's accepted the role as number two. Uh, I think we all like Devontae Smith. I know you do. I know I do. He's not Cooper Cup. Um, you know, is Odell Beckham Jr. going to come in here and say, eh, why am I the number two? Am I?" And all of a sudden you have sort of uh, a bit of a disconnect. Um very young coaching staff. Can they handle that type of thing? I don't know. I, I would steer clear. I think there's better options for the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe we'll not how, as splashy, but better options. We'll see how the wide receiver uh, room shakes out for the birds in this upcoming offseason. All right, coming up next, we're going to get Brad Spielberg from Pro Football Focus. Top of board. We had Brad back on before the season ever started. Been a while. Looking forward to getting him back up here again. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, the Mac and Mac Bird 365 guys. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. up to the Super Bowl. We got uh, 12 days to go before the Rams and the Bengals meet to see who takes down big game number uh, 56. Uh, hoping to hear from uh, Brad Spielberg from Pro Football Focus uh, joining us hopefully in the upcoming min- minutes. And oh, by the way, um, I remember, I, I, I apologize, I don't remember if Brad had, had a specialty for the stuff or if he's just a general contributor for Pro Football Focus. Uh, he's um, a cap guy. He's uh, So we get the cap in the offseason, that kind of stuff, and uh, all that kind of stuff from Brad. He's one of the best in the business when it comes to the, the salary cap. So hopefully, uh, just going to text him now. Uh, I know he was traveling yesterday. Uh, so we'll see. Anyway, I did. We were talking about coaching, uh, Jody. Did you hear Brian? I know you said you were pretty impressed with Brian uh, Dable. Dable, yes. Uh, did you hear him take a shot at our buddy Matt Lombardo for being late? Did you see that? No. <laughs> he took a shot at Matt. Now, I think I didn't see if it were. And Matt. For those who don't, still lives in this area in the Delaware Valley and travels, and and so he's got a pretty long commute. So I guess he was late, and Dayball gave it gave him the business for walking into the press conference late. Kiddingly or nastily? I think it was kiddingly. But okay. wait, I'll tell you this: I only saw the clip of it on social media. I think he was kidding, but I don't know if he was kidding, if you know what I mean. Okay. Well, I uh, I jumped in mid-press conference, so uh, I didn't 
catch that exchange. Maybe we got to get Matt on and ask him about it. Um, but overall, I did. I think Dable handed himself. And again, this is not the first time it's been said. It sure as hell won't be the last time it's been said. Uh, yours truly has been here in town watching the Eagles for 30-plus years on the air, checking these press conferences out, commenting on them thereafter. To this day, the guy that most impressed me for the Eagles with their opening press conference was Ray Rhodes. When they hired Ray Rhodes and the rah-rah speech that he gave when he got the gig, I was ready to get up and run into a brick wall for Ray Rhodes. I was that moved and motivated by his press conference. <laughs> Ray Rhodes was a marginal coach. He wasn't all that great here. You know, he got a shot in Green Bay afterwards. Not 100% sure why that was the case, but that is what happened. Um, yeah, uh, didn't 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 uh, live up to the first press conference wow factor that I got. And yeah, last year, uh, Nick Sirianni kind of stumbled and bumbled through his opening press conference, and he got crushed by most people here. By that point, I'd learned my lesson. That it's not all about the opening press conference. If you do that, no, then it you is can not. Actually... No, it is not. I think so. Xander says he has the video of Matt Lombardi. He's going to try to. Here we go. So uh, Matt Lombardi from Fansided. How's it going? Hey Matt, how are you doing? Congratulations. Thanks. Um, you know, you walk in late. Well, got here as quick as I could with the traffic. Okay. But, You're going to uh, make excuses already. I'm going to remember that now. Not to. Okay. <laughs> you know. You, yeah, that's lighthearted. That's I him. think it was that's light. him I just going for a laugh. I think it was just uh, ball, you know what, ing. Uh, I think I, you know, but it is New York. He might want to, he might want to, you know, add more context to the situation because that can go in a dark way pretty quickly. Yeah, and and Lombardo's a good dude. We've had him on as a guest. I think he'll take it the right way and say, All right, yeah, he got me. Especially if he was late and he walked in late. Uh, that the guy's trying to he's trying to score a point with a yuck in the room. Um, no, I was impressed with him yesterday, but I've learned you do not make sweeping generalizations because of a guy's opening press conference. Because when we did, Nick Sirianni would have been fired before he ever coached today in this town. Um, but yeah, saw Josh McDaniels yesterday. Joke. I don't know why he got a job. I don't. I wouldn't hire him if I were a head coach. Uh, I thought Dable was okay. Now uh, the Giants have had two-year turnovers. The last three coaches. I'm going to go way out on a limb here, John, and say he's lasting at least three years in New York. Now, I'm How's that with for you. some? I'm, yeah, that is uh, that is bold. As bold they prediction, say, Jody. Man, from your, from your I'm going to. I'm also going to go the over on on two years <laughs> if we're going to place that. You know, I I don't look I, as I said, and I'm the first to admit this. I I don't know who's going to be a good head coach. I don't know who's going to be a bad head coach. I don't know how anybody can know. All you can do is judge it uh, by what the guy has done as an offensive coordinator. You know, and then you start talking about okay, he helped develop Josh Allen. You know, how much of that is Josh Allen? How much of that is Brian Dayball? It's impossible to know, and that's why I go all the way back to the Petersons and the Harbaugh's. Look, I've seen those guys do it. I know they can do it. So if I were in the room, if I were doing the hiring, those are the guys I would be focused on if I could get them. Uh, people in the NFL think differently. It's it's an interesting conversation, um, and, and that's why I tried to get Vinny to talk about it as a former executive in this league. 
I, I don't know the thought process behind it other than groupthink, other than, uh, you know, wanting to steer away from the retread label. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll ask you, Jody, you've been, you've been through a lot of NFL yeah. coaching oh, yeah. cycles. Um, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Now, in the case of, of Harbaugh, you know, there's always been the talk. Okay. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? He's not singled, uh, signaled that he's wanted to come back to the NFL until now, you know, Wednesday's interviewing in Minnesota, which just happens to be national signing day. Uh, in in college football that tells me he's coming back to the nfl so he's coming back to either minnesota or miami um and 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 we'll see how that shakes out but that that tells me a lot and doug peterson back in the mix with jacksonville that tells me a lot as well here's my thought on john and uh, we're going to punch up our guy brad spielberg here in just a second um this is in my dna i can't change my dna yeah my father taught me this 35 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever it was. The most important relationship in any team setting is the general manager and the coach. Because you got the guy who is going to be the biggest hands-on roster shaper and the guy who is going to actually implement it on the field. You have to have the right relationship between those two guys. Even more so than the coach and the owner or the general manager and the owner. I would say general manager and owner would probably be the second most important relationship. So that's one of the reasons why I think the Giants did it right this time. They picked their GM. They took Joe Shine from Buffalo. They gave him the the, the wheel and said, all right, you're going to drive our car going forward. And not surprisingly, he picked the guy that he already had a relationship and thought highly of in Brian Dayball as his coach. But I think that's the way it needs that. That's the best way that it could happen. The owner hires a general manager, and then the general manager hires the coach. That's the way I think it works. Uh, uh, new guy, young guy, uh, cutting edge guy, guy with a resume already. I'm really open-minded on all of that, and I think it needs the fit to the roster that you have in place. But here, what here's what I would think of more than anything else. Who'd the GM hire? That's what it comes down to to me. You got to have faith in your GM, and then you got to let him make his hire whichever way he's going to go. That's on a coaching level. Let's get a little uh, tape level. Because Brad Spielberg of uh, Pro Football Focus, good enough to hop aboard with us for a couple of minutes. Brad, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm down in uh, Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Yes, Senior Bowl week. Excite. That's always an exciting week. So you'll see plenty of scouts and executives down there. I know you've been focused on the hiring cycle, the offseason, Brad. Seen you at Pro Football Focus on Twitter. Uh, Obviously, you're based in Chicago. You've been uh, uh, on the Bear stuff, and Jody was just talking about hiring a GM. They were one of the teams that had to hire both, and they went with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. How much of that was the GM? Obviously, they hired the GM first, but was that already in place? How did things shake out in Chicago? Yeah, you know, I think you're going to hear a lot about how it was entirely Ryan Poles. And, and I do, my understanding was throughout the process, they were asking these candidates, who are the coaches you want us to interview? Who are the guys you like so that if we, if and when we do hire you, we'll have a second interview with that guy, not a first, kind of to get the ball rolling, get things moving. And Matt Eberflus, not only was on his list, but apparently it was the top name on his list. And I do believe all of that. But 
nevertheless, for him to get hired and then they basically just have one day of interviews because the day he was hired, he interviewed Jim Caldwell in the building. And then the following day, it was Dan Quinn and Matt Eberflus. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to think there was some arrangement there. You know, Ryan Poles is, is an exciting young executive of 36 years old, only been in one building, obviously has been under different philosophies with Scott Pioli. Chris Ballard was there for a while. You know, he's learned from different guys. But nevertheless, you know, I think what the Bears try to do is hit a home run at GM and, and kind of hit a double at coach. Just kind of play it safe, but a good a coach that guys are galvanized around in Indianapolis and then maybe hopefully get a star executive as GM. All right, and we'll see if that's the way it plays out. They've got their GM. They've got their coach. Who's going to be their offensive guru? Because uh, I'm, if anybody who listens to the show knows how big a Justin Field fan I am, from the time he was at Ohio State to when he was passed over in the draft, teams, in my opinion, making mistakes by not grabbing him. He flashed this year. He had a good season. He showed some, some, some major uh, skills. But he didn't wow anybody. He's not uh, reserving a place in Canton off his rookie year. So there's still work there to be done in Chicago. Who's going to be doing it? Who's going to elevate my guy Justin Fields to the level he needs to get? To? Yeah, this is of course, of course, the most important part of all of this. You know, his development is it matters more than everything else combined, frankly. And so the offensive coordinator is going to be Luke Getze, who was this past year he was the quarterbacks coach and pass game coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. And I think it's a very interesting hire. He keeps getting associated with the, the Kyle Shanahan tree. Yes, he obviously now has been under Matt LaFleur in Green Bay for a couple of years, but he's actually a disciple of Joe Moorhead, who kind of runs this, this up-tempo, 11 personnel, so three wide receivers, a lot of RPOs, and, and using the quarterback's legs, frankly, more than we probably saw last year. And the, the funny connection is that Joe Moorhead actually recruited. He was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. They actually had a soft commitment from Justin Fields to go to Penn State to play for Joe Moorhead, um, that obviously fell apart. But nevertheless, there's kind of always that connection there. There's rumblings that Joe Brady may also come on um, as the quarterback's coach or pass game coordinator as well. He's from that same tree. He also worked at Penn State that same time. So um, if, if it's those two guys, Luke Getze and, and maybe Joe Brady, I think that's a pretty good foundation for a young quarterback. Now, now Brad, uh, the, the coaching carousel as a whole – I want to get your thought process on the whole thing, because it's interesting to me that uh, Jim Harbaugh is coming on late. It looks pretty evident that he wants back in the NFL. He's going to interview with uh, the Vikings on Wednesday. We'll see if Stephen Ross gets involved as well, because he's the Michigan man. And, and so there's always that possibility that he could be involved. Um, so with, with, with that and the fact that, um, Doug Peterson is sort of back in the mix. At least he's going to interview again with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's sort of come back from the dead, so to speak. It wasn't much buzz around Doug Peterson. And now he's back in the mix. What's your thought process on this? You mentioned it in Chicago. You want the young executive. Uh, you want a certain, I guess, template for a back of uh, a lack of a better word. You see the Super Bowl, Sean McVay versus Zach Taylor versus a proven guy like a Jim Harbaugh or Doug Peterson. Yeah, I apologize for the train that just went by in the background. Yeah, so it is very interesting. You know, I think each team kind of has their own dynamic and their own approach to it. And I do think the highest ceiling is getting one of these 
you know, hotshot offensive coaches that can that can actually call plays, that can build a system around your players, put them in position to succeed. But I think other teams as well are just fans of the, like I said, kind of the high floor hitting a double to where, I mean, a Jim Harbaugh is going to come in and is going to have every single person in that building working 110%. They're going to be organized. They're not going to make mistakes. They're, they're going to just be on schedule. Um, and obviously he'll build a, a great staff around him. So He's interesting. I, I think he definitely wants to be in the NFL. And the way it's played out, maybe even seems like he wanted the NFL more than the NFL wanted him to a degree. Um, and I, I do think Miami, I think that the thought process there with Stephen Ross is, I don't want to poach him from my alma mater, yeah. Michigan, yeah. but if someone else is going to, then I guess I might as well be the one to do it. So I think that he will get hired by someone. Um, yes, Minnesota, it's kind of funny. It's on National Signing Day, his second interview. So yeah. clearly he wants to get back in the NFL. As for Doug Peterson, I've had a couple a couple folks, um, a couple agents actually not at his agency that have even said, you know, we're kind of surprised he wasn't more sought after or, or more serious candidate in a couple buildings. It seems like he took some time off. He spent time in a couple buildings. He was at Bears training camp. He was at a couple training camps. And they feel like he got the rest and recharge that he needed. He learned some things, you know, went back and, and tried to, you know, self-scout, self-correct. Um, and he still should be able to build a pretty solid staff from that tree. So I think it's interesting he hasn't been as serious of a candidate. Maybe Jacksonville. I mean, Lord knows what they're doing down in Jacksonville. But maybe he does emerge as a real choice because for them it's kind of a safe play if if everything falls apart. Brad, Tooth in Advertising, uh, the site that you guys have from time to time, I sing your praises to the elk. And other times I say, what the hell are they looking at? <laughs> I can't agree with what they're coming out with in rankings and ratings. So it all matches up to what you think. But I think you guys give us a baseline to work with to be able to debate. So I am going to thank you very much for that. One place where I do agree with you, I saw an article the other day about Steven Nelson of the Eagles was one of the best tackling secondary guys in the National Football League this year. I'm a big fan. I think the Eagles did a great job by signing them. They showed patience during the offseason. Because John and I are doing a show every day starting last April going, when are the Eagles going to get their other quarterback across the play? When are they going to sign CB2? We know they have Darius Slade, but when the hell are they going to get another? And they waited and they waited and they waited. And they had Steven Nelson for a very reasonable one-year price. And I think he had a hell of a year in Jonathan Gannon's sometimes a little too soft defense. How key is it that the Eagles do what it takes to get Steven Nelson re-signed? Yeah, no, you got to applaud their patience. Steven Nelson was a good player, and, and that, that cut from Pittsburgh was more because he wanted an extension, wanted new money. You know, I don't think they wanted to move on from him necessarily. So, yeah, I, I mean, you're not going to get the one-year, two-and-a-half million-dollar deal that you just had, but I still don't think he's going to break the bank. And I do think the Eagles, yes, they've taken some young picks, obviously Zach McPherson, some of these young guys that are coming up from the recent draft, but – I don't think you can you can kind of understate how important it is to have a solid outside CB2 opposite Darius Slay. I think it matters a lot because I still think, you know, it's safety. Anthony Harris was so-so. You know, Rodney McLeod, good player, but obviously getting up there in age. Like, Avante Maddox, a good slot corner. But you can't have a couple holes in your secondary. I think they should do what it takes to get it done. Maybe a two-year, you know, two-year, 15 million. I don't see it going much higher than that. And because they were so smart and proactive – to get Mylotta done, to get Goddard done, to get Maddox done. They have some some funds and some, you know, the ability to negotiate through that. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, once again, they, they're patient and, and try to hit the lotto again like they did last year. 
Uh, yeah, Brad, if you look at the Eagles of what they did, and obviously they took uh, the Carson Wentz medicine last year, uh, significant uh, historic dead cap hit. Uh, they were able to overcome that and, and build the playoff team. So they come in, and this is your wheelhouse, obviously, a pro football focus, and everybody should check Brad out there and also over the cap. Um not a ton of money, but they have some maneuverability this year. Um, and, and we know Howie Roseman, he's not the only one, but maybe uses the voidable years trick more than most. And that just pushes things back and back and back and back. Are, 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 you have two camps. You have the hand ringers, I like to call them, who are always worried about the cap and uh, how are we going to do this? And the other ones who say, oh, it's not that big of a deal how he always figures it out in this particular town. How much does it matter uh, when you keep pushing things off again and again and again? So it definitely matters, but I think it was important for them to take their lumps this year. You know, there are ways to go about handling the dead cap to where you could split it between the current year and the following year, you know, using a post-June 1 designation. For example, with Drew Brees, the Saints are still going to be paying him about $11.5 million on their 2022 salary cap, and they didn't have a choice. They had to do that. And so for Philly to not do that with a handful of guys they've had to deal with and just take it all in the current year, obviously it limits things. They, they probably didn't expect to be in the playoffs this year. Um, but it's great. And, and now going forward, you have more flexibility. Obviously, Brandon Brooks' retirement does help them from a salary cap standpoint. So it's never something that you want to do so consistently that it limits your ability to spend. But when the salary cap goes up every, every year as it's supposed to, it's going to absorb a lot of that dead money. And, and that's what Philly's approach is always going to be. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie is an owner that doesn't want to have cap space. He wants to have talented players on his roster. Um, and that's his approach. And they're never going to get – Look, if the, if the salary cap didn't drop because of COVID, it wouldn't have been as dramatic and drastic as it was once it gets back on its upward trajectory. I mean, you see it too. Even in Cleveland, when they had cap space, a ton of it, Andrew Barry was still doing the same structure because their belief is just – a do it's almost like you know inflation. Like a salary cap dollar right now is, is worth more than a salary cap dollar in three or four years because the cap will be so much higher. So – I think they're going to stick with that. You just can't you can't go crazy with it. Um, you know, again, though, if you have a cheap quarterback like Jalen Hurts, I mean, it, it, it saves you so much money that you kind of can get a little bit aggressive outside of that. All right. And uh, real quick, before you jump in, I just want to alert uh, all the listeners. Tom Brady has officially retired. So he's oh, really? made it official. Yes, he has okay. made it official. Yeah, just moments ago. The Super Bowl. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've got uh, Brad here with us, and I want to continue down the cop cap road with him um i understand what you just said about the uh, overall economy and uh, putting things off to the future and how many years down the road i'm gonna take a break just give me this upcoming year what is the time frame when are the numbers gonna get hard what kind of position are the eagles in this offseason as the compared to the rest of the national football league they're honestly in a fine position. I mean, last offseason was much worse. And I think now because they have this influx of youth, I mean, like I said, the Brandon Brooks retirement's a big deal. Should not, I mean, they're going to save about $12 million in cap space there. Um, they, they can do whatever they want. I mean, frankly, they can do whatever they want. Because you also, when you have four picks in the top 51 picks, you're, you're ideally adding you know, two, maybe three starters on your roster. And so you're, again, just adding surplus value players 
that are che- that are you know playing their production is above what they're costing you and that enables you to do more around it so i, I wouldn't even say they have limitations they frankly if they want to make a gigantic splash move they could do it if they don't if they want to maybe take one more year to maybe move on from a kelsey a fletcher cox like maybe kind of tear down a little bit further and then kind of push to the future they can do that as well but i i would say they don't have limitations frankly this offseason well, Brad, one of the at least uh, positives from a salary cap perspective, you mentioned it a little bit there, is Jalen Hurts being on his rookie deal. So obviously you're not paying the quarterback a ton of money. I know as somebody who studies this stuff, and we look at this year's Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford, the Rams went about it a different way than the Bengals with Joe Burrow. Um, I think the number is, what is it, 11 or 14 percent? I've seen 13 percent thrown out there a lot. Yeah, 13. Um, nobody's ever paid the quarterback more than that, somewhere in that range, and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, do you take that seriously? Is that something that you say, look, this is just hard and fast, you have to go about it this way, you have to build your roster, or is it always about the player? Yeah, no, I don't. I I think it's somewhat of a fallacy, frankly, that fired GMs that now do radio hits talk about a lot because they they want to blame the quarterback. Is that a Rex Spielman shot? Because he's doing everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I don't. And I I think it's an excuse. I mean, it it does make things harder. You obviously can't then have a bunch of stinky draft classes or make a bunch of bad free agent signings or extend players on your roster that are not good and, and things like that. But end of the day, we always look at Super Bowl wins, but I did this. I ran this research. If you just look at participants in the conference championship games, it's almost. I mean, yes, the rookie contract guys, of course, show up there, but otherwise, it's the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, that is who is making those games. You just can't pay, you know, Joe Flacco top dollar. You can't pay those guys top dollar. If you have a, an elite quarterback and you pay him top of the market, if you're not winning, it's not because of him. It's because of other things. All right, uh, I'm going to ask you to do a little speculation here. Um, and there aren't that many free agents at the quarterback position this upcoming year. Um, but we're losing Tom Brady. We're losing Ben Roethlisberger, uh, guys who have been uh, unquestioned Hall of Famers and the like. And I don't think we've got the players to step in. I'm not suggesting anybody can step in and be a Hall of Famer like a Roethlisberger, certainly not like a Brady. Are we at a little bit of a dirt spot? in the National Football League with quarterbacks. You're down in mobile. You're going to look at the next class that's coming in. I watch a lot of their games this year. My evaluation of the overall quarterback class, eh, not great, not bad, not awful, but there's no Tom Brady in this mix coming out this year. How is the quarterback position going to play uh, free agency-wise, trade-wise, and the draft-wise? Is this going to be a really disappointing offseason for a bunch of teams? So I do think the draft is underwhelming, although we've obviously have history, you know, recent history of that being the case. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Sean Watson weren't supposed to be, you know, surefire, you know, slam dunk draft picks. So you never know. But I do think it's a pretty weak class. Uh, and, and I think the bigger thing, though, is frankly, this past year, the five first round guys, you know, you need Trey Lance, you need Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, like those guys need to emerge play better football, and then I don't think the league's in a bad bad spot at all. I mean, there's a lot of good young quarterbacks, especially in that that vaunted AFC. There are so many good quarterbacks. As for the veteran market, I think it's going to be very active. I think we see Jimmy Garoppolo on the move. I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Cousins gets moved. 
I think Josh McDaniels is bought into Derek Carr. I saw one of the, the beat reporters asked him what it was like to inherit a top five quarterback at his press conference, which he, he didn't laugh, but I think he almost did. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe he goes on the move. I mean, I think there is going to be Russell Wilson. We still don't know. Aaron Rodgers. We still don't know that. I think will be the more interesting market is which teams are going to realize there aren't really free agents. There aren't really draft picks, but we're kind of, you know, too good of a roster. I mean, even Tampa Bay, I don't see how Tampa Bay, thinks that they're going to just hand the keys to Kyle Trask next year. I think they're going to be making calls to Rodgers, to Russell Wilson. I think they're going to try to add another veteran, do the exact same thing they just did with Brady, because this roster is still just too good, in my opinion. Brad, one of the most interesting things to me around the NFL this year is how long the coaching cycle has lasted. And, you know, we were at nine teams at the beginning of it, so almost 30% of the league. You're in Mobile, and you're going to see a bunch of assistant coaches. Uh, You know, those guys live in uncertainty because you not only have nine new head coaches at some point, we're going to have nine. They got to populate staffs, and you kind of mentioned it with Matt Everflus and Luke Getze, a little bit of it. And then you start going down to position coaches. Um, That's one of the underreported things of the NFL. Uh, sort of assistant coach movement. Uh, when you look at, at teams and try to evaluate teams, how much does stuff like that play into it? I'll be honest. That's something that was not on my radar enough until a lot of conversations I had this offseason. Uh, I was able to talk with a couple former NFL executives that said, and I think we've seen it bear out in this coaching market, and I think it's actually part of the delay is that a lot of these GMs said the, the tradition was the head coach could just hire whoever they wanted for all their position coaches, coordinators, whatever. And the team just kind of wouldn't push back on that. They would just say, you know, go ahead. It's your staff, whatever. And look, they would try to hire the best coaches, but they would also hire their buddies sometimes. And yeah. I think now you are seeing some teams that are trying to have more of a say and more influence on coaching staffs. I think one example might be down in Jacksonville with Byron Leftwich. I think, a factor for why this hasn't gotten across the finish line, if it ever does now, I don't think they were in love with his staff. It sounds like they brought Vic Fangio in to potentially be his defensive coordinator if they could convince him to do so. So I think it matters a ton. And then the position coaches, I'm not going to sit here and act like I, you know, I know these guys and I know how great their contributions are. But folks that do know that will tell you we completely underrate how much having a good position coach is because having a bad one can kill you. I mean, having a, a position group that underperforms, that is not, you know, on their assignment, that's getting, you know, taking penalties, doing dumb things. It matters a lot. Brad, uh, speaking of underrated, overrated, you're going to be a perfect guy to answer this question for me. I've been asking it for years. Um, other than the next four or five days, when do you ever hear the phrase, oh, and he looked great in practice? It just doesn't happen. <laughs> Everybody evaluates games. That's pretty smart because you're going to be expected to play games in the National Football League. You're going to get paid because you play games, not because you're a good practice player. But for this week, the standalone week of the year, practice is so important. Is it over important? Is there too much emphasis put on it? Do you believe that if because it's just this one week, it's specialized, you can take advantage of it? What do you make of Oh, he looks so good in practice this week. Yeah, no, I think the game is played in pads for a reason. And and I think guys play differently. And I think also you see that in, I mean, even like Lions general manager Brad Holmes has even said 
he ignores a lot of combine stats and and they now have you know player tracking data they can monitor these guys speed on the field in their college games the one thing i would say that i think is huge for you know events like the senior bowl is guys that do not do not play in the power five in a practice going up against power five players i mean can they with they step up in competition can they still produce can they still get open if they're a receiver can they still you know if they're if they're a lineman can they still battle in the trenches and and handle a higher weight class so to speak i think that's where it matters but yes in a general sense you know we're talking about how much how many catches this guy had in one-on-ones or you know stuff like that i think it's a bit overblown um but i do i think it matters more from just a physical standpoint of you know do they belong on the field with this caliber of an athlete well, Brad, uh, make sure you let me know what Kenny Pickett's official hand size is. I know that's the, that's the big story in Mobile. But, uh, he, he uh, apparently, he's not doing it. The yeah, he's not going to do it. He's trying to do. He's trying to extend. Yeah, I don't know. He's, yeah, yeah. Um, it is interesting though, and that is where the draft starts. And obviously, Jim Nagy does a great job leading the Senior Bowl. Um, exciting time for you being down there for it. Always an exciting week. I hope you have fun down there. Uh, Pro Football Focus, you see it there at PFF underscore Brad over the cap, Brad Spielberger. I'm going to put you on the spot. You're not a Philadelphia guy, but we're an Eagles show. I give you one free agent, $22 million in cap space, whatever the Eagles have. Who do you want for the Philadelphia Eagles? That is a tough one. Put me on the spot here. I would go with – it's going to be a boring answer because I'm not a fan of making splashes in free agency, but – a guy like a Cedric Wilson, kind of in your division, yeah, you know like well for the Dallas Cowboys. Just a, a reliable, solid slot receiver. I, I think he would fit in well there. You're going to have Devontae on the outside doing his thing. Regor, obviously, a bit of a disappointment. Just kind of bring in a sure-handed, reliable wide receiver four or whatever you want to call Cedric Wilson. Something like that, I, I think, is just a smart move for that kind of the, this year's Steven Nelson, where it may have a bigger impact than we think, um, you know, at the time of signing. Brad, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board with us. Have a good time down in uh, Mobile this week. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brad. Brad Spielberger from uh, ProFootballFocus.com here with us on the Birds 365 Gathering. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald coming back. Oh, we got a couple of minutes left, and I'm actually going to give credit to one of our uh, contributors to the show here. I know I don't uh, hit the stream very often, but uh, I do – I just flat out laughed. I'm surprised I was able to retain my laugh uh, while we were doing the spot with Brad. Uh, we'll come back and put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. 
more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, only a couple minutes left. We're on the Tuesday edition of Birds 365. We thank both uh, Brad Spielberger and uh, Vinny Serrato for hopping on his guests with us today. I do want to get this one point in here, then I want to get your thoughts on the now official Tom Brady announcement on his retirement, John. Um, We have the stream here where people can comment on the show and uh, other shows I know do it differently. They use the stream a lot. I apologize that I don't use it much. Sometimes it's just because it moves too fast that we're getting comment after comment after comment. So by the time... I want to comment on something on the screen. You and I have picked up a conversation. I look back, I can't find a damn comment again. So that's why we don't use it as much as some other shows. And that's on me. And I'll apologize uh, for those who think we should do uh, more of that. I did almost just laugh out loud when I had Brad Spielberg on and I asked him the question about uh, the importance of practice this week in the Senior Bowl. Uh, Adam's exploits did uh, chime in with... Hey, Jody Mack, the Eagles win practice games, taking us back all the way to our beginnings. Yeah. 365, when Johnny Mack was out there every day at practice, those showdowns between the Patriots and the Jets, which you told us were dominated by the Philadelphia. 4-0, baby. 4-0 joint practice champions. If those practices were important as maybe we made them out to be, well, the Eagles should still be playing this week in the yeah, Super Bowl. Well, you know, nine and nine, you say, all right, that's an average team. But yet in those four joint practice wins, 13 and nine is no, not bad, Jody. Rather than adding those joint practice wins, maybe we overstated those joint practice wins know. is the point that I don't I know. Most from. people thought the Eagles, not us, but most people thought the Eagles wouldn't be as good as they were. So maybe those joint practice wins told you. They were better than you thought they were. Better than better than a five-win team. Hey, maybe they can win nine because they were 4-0 in those practice games. All right, yeah, maybe that's the way it shook out. All right, uh, you jumped in, and thanks for doing that uh, while we had Brad on, that it is now official. ESPN reported it a couple of days early. They jumped the gun. Tom Brady on his podcast yesterday said, 
I'm still going through the process. Well, it's minute oh, to minute, I think the process came together. Yeah, because Tom Brady just announced uh, within the last half hour that he is officially retiring. If he meant what he said that he didn't want to usurp any of the act or the excitement for the Super Bowl. He needed to either do it today or tomorrow or wait till after the Super Bowl. So he did decide to want to get it over and done with. He did so on social media. Um, so, yeah, I gave ESPN a little grief here yesterday on my CBS show on Sunday as well. Yeah, they got it right. They, yeah, they jumped they the gun it. a little bit. But if uh, the guy comes out and says, yes, I'm retiring within – uh, what is it about 72 hours from yeah. the time that the story both broke, yeah. first broke that's not bad i gotta yeah. give uh, both uh, i mean uh, they weren't making it up problem. that's what i said yesterday on the show they weren't making it up they it was just a matter of tom was upset that it leaked out uh before he wanted to do it um and he wasn't going to play as i said because of spite uh you know uh, the the nfl is too much of a grind and that's what he said in this statement put it on Instagram, you know, you're either all in on this or you're not, you got to put everything into it. And he's just at the point. And now we, we, we've been talking about the coaching cycle a lot today. Now you got to put Bruce Aaron. I don't care what he said. That was, that was in an effort to get Tom Brady back. Bruce might want to keep coaching, but uh, I don't know if he want to, if he wants to coach a bad football team. So. Okay, so let me, uh, not that I'm the first one to do it, but let me continue to throw more gas on the fire. Bruce Arians sticking around if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Oh, sure, sure, if you can get that done. Yeah, he'll come back for that. Yeah, because uh, uh, let, let those rumors start yeah. immediately because who's going to get their hands on Aaron? Well, Brady's walking away. Uh, Big Ben's walking away. All of a sudden, uh, in Eagle fan, by the way, if you think you're getting either Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, very highly unlikely, or Deshaun Watson, oh no, with the openings around the National Football League and expectations, all those teams are going to get their asking price. There, there's no quarterback that's going to be gotten for 85 cents on the dollar. I'm not talking about deep discount. No, buck for buck, if not a buck 25 for a dollar. Yeah. And you're going to be able to gouge because the quarterback market is as thin and, as and, it is. And the real, the real thing is, you know, Bruce Arians, does he want to coach if Kyle Trask is the quarterback? And I think that is probably an emphatic no. Um, but when you're talking about valuation of quarterbacks, yeah, if you want Russell Wilson, remember – and we talked about this a little bit with Jeff Mosher yesterday. You don't have to give up your three first-round picks, but you're going to have to give up two and maybe a future uh, to get them. And you should. I'll say it. You should. If That's you can, because the window, the window just got opened a little bit more. For everybody in the NFC. That's the going rate. And the going rate is going to be a little on the expensive side. We'll see if the Eagles decide to go down that road. Oh, I think John and I will talk about it tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after day. Yes, quarterback talk in the National Football League is always front and center. JM, I'll be back here in 22 hours to talk about it. You going to join me? I'm going to do it. Chuck Woolery, uh, I'll be back in 2-2 two and two, or 22. 22 hours to a return of Mac and Mac here on Birch 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.